0: This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor.
1: And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Friday the 30th of July 2021.
0: And Norman, ever since we started this podcast way back in March last year, the question that I think we've gotten the most frequently from people is... When and how does this pandemic end? And we've tried to answer this as best we can from our knowledge, but today we've got with us a special guest who has a much better sense of what one way out could be for Australia. Welcome, a health economist from the Grattan Institute, Stephen Duckett.
1: Thanks, Tegan. and Welcome, Stephen. Stephen, you've just done this modelling exercise with a whole series of colleagues from around Australia. Uh, just tell us what you did, because it was looking at what vaccination rate we needed to reach to start opening up.
2: Yeah, so, Norman, we built a model of the Australian population, 26 million or so people, and we, into that model, which, you know, age, sex, vaccination rates uh, and all sorts of things like that, we dropped a, an occasional person infected with COVID and see, see what would happen in terms of how that would spread given different uh, transmissibility of the, of the Delta variant different levels of Pfizer vaccine or uh, AstraZeneca vaccine and so we just wanted to see what would happen how many how many cases would would spring from that that one new case and how much of that would lead to increased use of intensive care units and how many deaths would occur and so we modeled this just to test you know what would happen if fifty percent of the population were vaccinated? What would happen if eighty percent of the population were vaccinated?
1: And did you allow for contact tracing as well and testing?
2: Yes. So very importantly, the 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 model starts with an assumption about how transmissible the the virus is, and then it assumes that there are standard sort of public health what we call unobtrusive measures like mask wearing on public transport keeping the contact tracing going, and those sorts of things other than lockdowns, because we wanted to say, in addition to opening up the borders, we're also talking about an end of lockdowns, so that we don't need to have those really obtrusive public health measures in place.
0: Right. So you've called the report the race to 80. So spoiler alert, 80% is the vaccination uh Proportion that you were recommending based on this, and of that, within that, ninety-five percent of people over seventy should be vaccinated. Is that just then the finish line?
2: (laughs) No, uh, we're proposing a a cautious approach, Teagan, that to say because some of these things are unknown, you don't want to do open up and just hope for the best because it's a one-shot chance. You know, if you open up and the virus spreads dramatically it's really difficult to unwind as as they're finding in sydney at the moment. So what we've said is we have this 80% threshold and then people start uh, continue to be vaccinated and we also say and when there's an 85% threshold uh, is reached then you can do other things. So we've got a sort of a two-stage approach that we're proposing.
1: So what can you do when you've reached
2: 80%? So what we said at 80% is that Vaccinated Australians should be able to travel, come back to Australia without having to go through quarantine. So it's allowing vaccinated Australians and New Zealanders open up our borders for those people. Other people would still have to quarantine. As I said, this is a cautious approach, but it also means at 80% vaccination coverage, we probably won't have to do lockdowns because we, we should be able to keep on top of the virus and make sure that... If we do open up and there is a bit of a a spread, we have the standard contact tracing and and so on that we have now, but we don't have to go into lockdowns.
0: So some of the recommendations you've had are not that uh, unprecedented, things like vaccine passports, like you just said, mandatory vaccination for certain workers, like people who work in aged care and hospitals. But another one of your recommendations was a weekly $10 million lottery for people who have vaccinated, Why?
2: People talk a lot about vaccine hesitancy, that the numbers have been fairly stable for the last uh, few months now, that about 10% of Australians say they're never going to get vaccinated. And we say, yeah, they're there, don't even try and work on them very much. But the other 90%, about a quarter of the population say, yes, we're going to get vaccinated, but just not yet. We just don't see the hurry. And so this is the group we're particularly targeting, the so-called movable middle. They're going to get vaccinated but they see no rush. And so we said, well, we think we can move you and actually get you to be vaccinated sooner rather than later. And so the idea is come Melbourne Cup Day, the 2nd of November, anybody who's been vaccinated with one dose or two doses would be in the run to win a million bucks. And we have 10 $1 million prizes uh, every week between then and Christmas just to encourage people to try and get vaccinated as soon as they can. Now, the point of starting in November is, at the moment, demand exceeds supply. We just have not had a good rollout in terms of the availability of doses. And so you don't want to, you know, have a lottery and people say, look, I would like to get vaccinated, but I just can't. And so this should all be over by October. So we should be able to vaccinate everybody. And we just want to move it faster, speed it up so we can open up a bit sooner.
1: So it's going to be hard to get to 80% without kids being immunised. How do children factor into your modelling?
2: So the vaccine has been approved for kids uh, over 12, 12 to 16 now, and so we're anticipating that they'd be vaccinated in term four, you know, have school vaccination clinics and get numbers up. If we don't have a vaccine for kids 2 to 11, and, you know, it's it's going to be a it, it's a bit dubious, uh, Norman... Um, the CDC, there are trials underway, but the US uh, Centre for Disease Control has said, you know, to Pfizer, I'm afraid you're going to need to boost your numbers in these trials. So it's going to be a little bit longer than we originally anticipated. But even so, we should be able to get to this 80% level in March or so of next year. But that requires us to get Up into the 90s for much more of the population. And so it really is getting every person who said they're prepared to get vaccinated to be vaccinated. And I think if the government says we are going to open at 80, then the people who might have said, oh, look, we're never going to get vaccinated, they might begin to change their mind and say oh there's probably a risk so we'll get vaccinated as well and then by the time you say well it might be difficult for you to be on a plane because we're opening up at 80 and we want to you know avoid these super spreader possibilities on the plane and so on with the vaccine so using vaccine passports and all those sorts of things and and I think social pressure will help us to get up there but it is it is going to be it is going to be hard but if we do anything else that is if we open up earlier, I think it's going to lead to scenarios that the Australian population uh, wouldn't think is acceptable.
1: Just to be clear, you're going to be talking about vaccine passports if you want to go to the cricket or into big areas and not just to get cross borders. Yeah, so
2: the the point, Norman, is this, that once you open up, I said we're going to have to keep some public health measures, including masks and so on, but once you open up, yes, the virus is going to spread, but you want to slow that spread or you want to try and reduce that spread. And so if you're going to the cricket or if you're going to a festival or a, a nightclub or something, they're potential super spreader events. And so the and the people who are unvaccinated are, are potential super spreaders. And so you want to keep the two separate. You want to keep the, the unvaccinated person away from the potential super spreader event. And the way to do that is through vaccine passports. And so it's essentially a public health measure. In addition, the people who want to go to the cricket or to the festival or to the nightclub will say, yeah, That makes a a difference and I'm going to get vaccinated. So it helps to increase the vaccination rate as well.
0: So at the moment, Australia's most populous city is dealing with a pretty major outbreak. How does that play into your modelling and, and the roadmap that you've traced here?
2: In a sense, what we're saying is this is the very situation we want to avoid. If what we know about vaccines is that every additional person vaccinated slows the virus. That is, it's harder for them to be infected. They still can be infected, but it's harder for them to be infected and they transmit the virus to fewer people. So we want, if if there had been more people vaccinated in Sydney today, uh, there would, the virus would be spreading less. And so this is exactly where we want to be. High levels of vaccination coverage means the virus will sp- spread less. There'll still be cases but they'll be controllable, they can be controllable through contact tracing and the purpose of vaccination is to reduce your chance of going to hospital, reduce serious disease and to reduce deaths and so the outcomes won't be as bad.
1: So hypothetically, if they don't bend the curve and by Christmas you're still getting 200, 300 cases a day, maybe more than that with a large number of growing mystery cases or cases where are unlinked or have been in the community, Um, Does your plan work? So what we've said, uh, Norman, is that I've
2: supported actually putting extra vaccines into New South Wales for this very reason, that, that we've really, we can't open up with the virus spreading rampantly as it is in New South Wales at the moment. And so it's in everybody's interest for us to get that outbreak in New South Wales under control. It will be a race. And so we've got to actually increase that vaccination rate. And the good news is vaccination demand spikes when people are really worried. And that happened in Victoria uh, during our lockdown and it's happening in New South Wales right now. So in a sense, the 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 risk has gone up for everybody and so they are fronting up to be vaccinated. If the supply was fixed, we'd be in a much better situation, but we've got to get rid of it. We, we can't open up with the virus spreading rapidly. So we're, we're assuming that eventually New South Wales will get it under control and it may come under control through vaccination and it may come under control through these lockdown and public health restrictions.
1: So just finally, Stephen Duckett, what is your modelling, if anything, or have you looked at modelling for what's going to happen in New South Wales at the current settings?
2: No, we, we haven't. Uh, our colleagues at the Burnett Institute have done that and they are not very uh, optimistic, I'm afraid. If the government in New South Wales is prepared to take the tough decisions that uh, has happened in other states and if the vaccination rates can get up, they should be able to get under control. But the sooner they get it under control, the better for everybody.
0: Stephen, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Pleasure, Teagan.
0: Stephen Duckett is a health economist at the Grattan Institute. Norman, I could have asked questions of Stephen all day.
1: Yes. Um, Stevens actually runs the the health and aged care program at the Grattan Institute. Well, that's all for Chronocast for this week.
0: We'll catch you on Monday.
1: See you then.